Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen to today's message from God's Word. in the Sunday school hour and I want to back up just a bit not using much time for the purpose of um, oh see you have a clock back there that's good and I can see it okay all right and so I want to back up just a little bit to have a place where I really want to launch out from and use in this hour that the good Lord will help us. Now, since uh, several of you were not here for the Sunday school hour, let's reread our text. And then I would invite you, if you would please, to unite with me before the throne of grace. Mark 3, beginning at verse 1, reading down through verse 6. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil? to save life or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Will you please pray with me and for me? Father, we are so thankful that we are privileged to call you that. Thank you for the good music which stirred our hearts and fed our souls and brought to mind the many memories that the songwriter displayed in the words of his song. How thankful we are to be acquainted with the great truths that we sang and we heard others singing as well. Thank you for the good musicians. Thank you for the friendly atmosphere we have sensed here. And I pray, O God, that you will continue to be in our midst because you inhabit the praises of Israel. So, Lord, I know you would inhabit the praises of your people. Now, I stand in dire need of your touch upon my life, and I pray to have it that I might give forth thy truths And you will use those truths to touch the heart and life of the listener and to bring glory to Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
we ask our prayer in his name. We offer our thanksgiving in the same. Amen and amen. Now, I pointed out to the Sunday school class this morning that there are at least five great points of interest that we want to look at in the narrative that is before us recorded by Mark. And the first one is the coming of Christ into the synagogue. If you'll look with me in the opening portion of our text, and he, that is Jesus, of course, entered again into the synagogue. So from that, we draw the conclusion that Jesus Christ was in habit, uh, in the habit of going to church. Now, if Jesus Christ would do that, how much more should you and I be in the habit of going to church? And I had come to this place where I said the church is where the saints are. You see, I'm looking at my eternal family. If some of my physical and earthly family does not get saved, Pastor, one day we're going to part company for all eternity. But the saints are here. Now, I did not say the perfect people are here, but I said the saints are here. Now, isn't it amazing how we can put up uh, with imperfection of the members of our family, but we find it most difficult to put up with the imperfection in the saints of God's life. Now, every one of us are imperfect, and some of us are imperfect in many areas. But I've learned a long time ago, by the grace of God, that I'm full of faults as well. And so if I was work in my life trying to straighten my faults up, I will have less time to look at others who have faults in their lives. But one more point of great interest here is this. There's a day coming that all the imperfections are going to be ironed out. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to enter into that perfect land, into that perfect city as a perfect people. But as long as we are in this flesh, we are never going to be perfect. Neither are our family members. Now, isn't it tragic that people get upset because some church members show some imperfection and want to leave the church? Maybe it's just one or two. It's not the whole church, and it sure is not the doctrine that is preached nor is it the mannerisms of the pastor whom God has put here that causes all of that. I love my family. I want to be with my family. Every opportunity I have to be with my family, I take. In fact, and I know this is going out over the, over the air, but I'm going to say it anyhow. I marked off a couple of weeks, especially this year, just to be with my children who are distant. If I didn't, my schedule would be full. 
As far as I know, I've got one Sunday between now and the Christmas that I don't have somewhere scheduled to preach. So the Lord has been so good to me, and I don't think he minds a bit if I take a week out and spend with my daughter and with my son. Now, my other daughter, who lives within 20 minutes of us, we get to see her quite often. And so I love my children. Amen. My children aren't perfect, but I don't want you to say that. Amen. I, I think maybe I can say that, but I don't want you to say that. And so, listen, I, I, I've run across all kinds, and I could, as the pastor talked about me being in it decades, and that's truth, at least five. Amen. It wouldn't, it wouldn't harm me or my philosophy at all if he would give me another decade, but now I don't know. That's bearing upon him and his will for my life. But I enjoy life, and I enjoy my family. And then I enjoy being here among the people of God. There is a day that we'll never separate. Amen. Again, our physical family we will, but not our spiritual family. Amen. We will be with you in all eternity. Now, if I'm going to spend eternity with you, why should I have a whole lot of problems down here and with you? And I know that, uh, that all things are going to be passed away, old things, and all things are going to become new. I realize, realize all of that. But I love the saints of God. I like to be in their presence I like to be in the presence of people that I don't have to concern myself with what they're going to say or what they're going to do. Amen and amen. And where they're going to go and all of the things that we could look at in this area. But why do I want to come to church? And I want to come to church. This is my life. Amen. The church is my life. And the church, of course, is made up of the people of God. And I love being around them. I love meeting people whom I've never seen before, whom I've never heard of before, that are saints, that are in my spiritual family. So I want to go to church. Amen. I may go to a ball game. I might. Amen. A Christian school ball game. I, I may attend one of them, and I enjoy that. Nothing wrong, but uh, you're not going to find me out in some, some of the places that the people of the world go because we don't have one thing in common. I want to be around people that I have a whole lot in common with. And then number two, why should we come to church? Because the scriptures are here. You know the value of the scriptures? Amen. A preacher preached the scripture. And the scripture pointed out by the Holy Spirit to my sin-darkened soul, my condition, and my need of a Savior. Thank God for the scriptures. The scriptures are not just something that we read through or we read a little bit in every day, however you read your Bible, but the scriptures are living they are life. Amen. And when I come and the man of God, Brother 
Ward and I were speaking prior to the Sunday school hour how that we, as preachers of the Word, need to hear preaching. Why? Because we hear the Scriptures, the Word of God. They are my life. Amen. They, they taught me how to love my wife. I did not know how until I found out in the Bible how. You do, men, know how to love your wives, don't you? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And he taught us how to raise our children, how to live right before them. And just on and on, the value of the scriptures are inestimable. So you cannot put a value on the word of God. So when I come to church, what do I meet? I meet the saints. Secondly, I get to hear the scriptures and read the scripture. Did you notice how much scripture was given in the song service this morning? Did you notice that? Count your blessings. Amen. Name them one by one. Well, guess what? We've had a tire going down very slowly. Okay? And so I drove it to, uh, uh, to Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, and I drove it back home. And then I drove it back to Birmingham, Alabama, and on to Valdosta, Georgia. And guess what my daughter-in-law saw in my tire. I looked, but I couldn't find it. It was a nail. Amen. And so I've got the type of tires on, the, on my vehicle that will go down extremely slow. You can drive for hundreds of miles with a nail in them, and they don't go down. But eventually, they are going down. And so I ran it over to the Walmart last night, and the Walmart looked at it, and I said, my daughter-in-law said, there's a nail in here. And he took it off and he looked at it and he said, and he brought it back to me. And he said, I cannot fix this tire. Well, it's just a nail in it, but it's in the outside section of those treads and the law will not permit them to fix that. Now, if you know something, well, I better not say that, but anyway... <laughs> I sure, I sure hate to buy a new tire, but it looks like I may have to. Amen. And I understand why the law is written. It's on that outside edge, of not the sidewall, but that tread. And when you're turning, you're putting all that. I understand that. I understand that. So they were singing, count your blessing. I began to weep. What if that tire had have gone down in the middle of the night somewhere and me out in a busy intersection or me on the interstate? I didn't even know where the spare was. My son found it for me last night. It's up under the back of the truck. And so I'm serious. And so I figured that's where it was. But anyway, that is where it is. And so all of these things could have happened. I'd been by myself, amen, and you get my age, you're just not able to lift things as you one time were. And so all of these things happened, and I thought, boy, what a blessing. That, I mean, I'll show you the nail if you want to see it. I mean, the head of it's sticking up right there in my tire, and I've driven probably a 1,000 miles on that. Count your blessings. 
Amen. So I come to church. Amen. And, and I may be feeling a little down because I have to buy a tire. But I'm going to tell you something. Buy, buying a tire is nothing in comparison to what could have happened somewhere along the way. I tell you, count your blessings. I learned that. And then I think about all the good things that God has done. He even let me catch a fish yesterday. What about that? I've got the sunburned hands to prove it. And so God has been so good. And a dear brother loaned us his trolling motor. I'm telling you, brother, brother Daniel loaned us his trolling motor. So Stephen didn't have to paddle all day. Amen. And so we, we, we did it real good. God's so good to us. And you know, you don't have to look far to see all the blessings that God has poured out upon your life. Then I thought about the song that the uh, trio sang a moment ago. That's as scriptural as any song that's ever been written. If you know the story of the disciples upon the sea, and Jesus come, walk, came walking upon the sea and appeared unto them and assured them and, and gave them uh, his presence. And all so many things happened. And so God is so good to us. And then the songs of Zion are here. Amen. Don't you just love to pull up to a red light and there sits somebody beside you and his radio is so loud. All the windows are rolled up and yours are rattling. Amen. And you're wondering, that poor guy is deep, as they say back in the hills. Amen. I mean, he can't hear a thing. I've got a hearing problem, but I don't have any problem hearing that. And some of it almost will bounce you out of the seat. Now, would, wouldn't you hate to be confined in an area listening to that? I go into a lot of businesses, and I, I, I tell my wife, it's no wonder people are crazy. Have to listen to this junk all day long. Amen. All this bebop, bop, bamboo, tutti fruity, all that stuff that you listen to. And, and but thank God we come to the house of the Lord and we hear the good songs of Zion sing. Amen. And our hearts are lifted. Amen. There's no way that's it may stir the emotion, but it's not going to stir your soul. And I'm telling you, in this day when we're living in a dark hour the darkest hour I've ever seen our nation in right now. Boy, I need some light and I need some lift and I get it when I come to the house of God and God's people are singing the songs of Zion and the pastor's giving out those encouraging words that he has given this morning. Then listen, at the house of God, that's where we are, that's where Jesus went. He went to the church of his day. And that's where we're going, to the church of, his, of our day. The Holy Spirit gathers the saints together for worship. And I'm going to tell you something, church. You can't worship everywhere you go where people are gathered together under the name of a church. But you can worship here. Amen. You can worship here. And I need to worship. I must worship or I cannot make it in this life. Here's the place that the Savior, at the church, is where the Savior meets with his church. And you remember, John has been exiled 
on the Isle of Patmos, and <coughs> he uh, hears behind him a voice, and he said, a great voice, and he said this voice was as a trumpet, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And then he said, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Now, you know where that was? When you come down to verse 20 of Revelation chapter 1, Christ describes what those seven candlesticks are. They are the church. Amen. They are the church. You are a candlestick. You are shining out. The pastor made reference to some outreach work that you're going to do. This is a very mission-minded church. And so you're getting the gospel around the world. People are hearing and people are being saved because of your giving, because of your supporting missionaries and all. And Christ is in the midst of the church. And so he still comes to church. You know where Christ is this morning? He's with his church. Christ is here in this assembly. He not only is in our hearts as a believer, but he's in this assembly who have congregated in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our God. May I say, he still comes to church. I ask, Pastor, I ask this young fellow he hadn't been saved very long. And so uh, I asked him on a Wednesday night, I, I said, uh, Brother Gary, would you pray for us? I just married he and his wife not long after I had been at the tabernacle. And Gary started praying. I, I love when prayers just come out of one's heart. I I've often wondered if I could compare my praying with how I started praying and how that I pray today, I wonder if how I started wouldn't make a lot more sense sometimes in the way that I pray today. But anyway, Gary started praying. And I can't remember all he said, but he made one statement I've never forgotten to this day. He said, Lord, it is so good to come to your house when you are home. I've never forgotten that. And that is true. He is here. Can you not sense him? Amen. I have sensed him. And actually, in driving up on the ground, I'm glad the Lord is here. Now, this man that we're reading about in our story may have had a withered hand, but his legs and his feet were okay. His hands didn't bring him to church. His legs and his feet brought him to church. So what he had, he used to bring him out to the house of the Lord. And I began to think about some of the flimsy excuses people give us why they can't come to church. And ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a sad day when the records are open and God knows what's behind 
everything. I've heard people talk about, I can't come to church. I've heard them say that. I cannot go to church because of my kids. What better place in all the world can you bring a child? What is out here in this world that's going to help your child? Tell me one thing that's going to help your child that's out in this world. I'm talking about the system of the world. Absolutely nothing. They go to the schools and they learn that man is no more than a piece of material that just happened on the scene and he dies and it's gone. And and is gone forever. And they cannot understand the violence that's taking place in our school. When you think you're no more than a piece of a wood that's crawled out from under a rock somewhere or whatever all this teaching of evolution is about, how's a child going to be held? Is it any wonder that they grow up having no respect for life whatsoever? I just got rid of another piece of material. That's the way they look at life. And they can't understand why there's so much violence in, in, the, in the schools, in the world, and everywhere else that's going on. A man said to me one day, I can't understand how in the world people think like that. It was an awful crime that had been committed. I said, I'll tell you why they think like they think. Is because they've been taught like they've been taught. You're going to act upon what you have been taught. And so if we could get the teaching right, and Hitler knew that too. Hitler knew that. He knew the place to start was in the school early in life, teaching and put it, pumping that poison into the minds of those kids. Amen. Now, Listen, I, and I'm not here to fuss, I'm not here, but I'm here to convey the truth to you. As a parent, the best place in all the world you can take your child is to a Bible-preaching church. They don't need any more of this world. They, they are going to get enough of it as it is. What we need to do is keep them in the sound of the gospel and the preaching of the Word of God. I've heard all kinds of reasons why we couldn't come. You know what's amazing? We can't bring a headache to church, but we can take it to the Walmart. Or we can take it to the hairdresser. I, last thing I'd want somebody doing fooling my hair if I had a headache. Now, I'm not the pastor. This is the pastor. He just gave me privilege and honor to preach in his pulpit. And that's what I'm preaching. Listen, I've spent a lot of time on this text. And I'm giving you my heart this morning. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. I want to help you. And I'm telling you, this man had no excuse his hand had nothing to do with bringing him to church. But he did use what he had to get him out to church. And oh, don't you think he's glad he came? Have you ever come to church feeling so bad 
and you left feeling a whole lot better than you did when you came, you're looking at one who has done that again and again and again. God is real, and he will minister to our lives and to our hearts, and he will minister to our physical needs as well. I have gone to church, and I know this preacher has the busyness of his schedule and all that he's done. And I know he's going to church as I have and been so tired, you just didn't feel like going. I know you can't do that. We can't get by. You know, most of you that work on public work, you can call in and say, I don't feel good today. So mark me down for a sick day. I wonder what Brother Ward, what happened here. Brother Ward called the deacons and said, hey, I don't feel good today. I think I'm going to sleep in. Now let me ask you something. And again, please take, take my heart, will you? That's what I'm trying to give you is my heart. Brother Ward has the same opportunity that's not the word I'm looking for. Has the same privilege of staying out because he don't feel good as you do. Same. No excuse. I fear the judgment seat of Christ when he whose eyes are as a flame of fire and able to pierce all the way through and nothing is hidden to the eyes of him with whom we have to do so he knows it all. This man went to church. You know what? I went to church one day when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Of course, I'd went all my life. But I went to church. You know what I left with? Salvation. I went to church, heard and learned that I was a sinner and gave my heart to Christ and was born again. Oh, what I left with. Boy, I was glad. I'm, I'm glad today that I went to church that day. I, I, I know that I didn't have to, but I'm so glad I went to church that day because I left with the blessings of God upon my soul of something that God performed that still is real. Amen. Right now as it was the day that he performed it upon me. I bless his holy name. Now, let me just get started on this. I'm not going to get finished with it, but let me start on the second thing. I said there were five great truths in this. Look with me, please, in the latter portion of verse 1. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. Now my question to you is, is there any here this morning with a withered hand? Now I cannot heal anything. But do you have a withered hand? In other words, are you doing only half the work you could be done doing? if all of your faculties were operative. Are you? 
That's a question we need to ask ourselves. I think every one of us would. Is my hand withered? Am I doing only a portion of what I could be doing for the Lord? Now, I know that said we're all so busy. We've got so much to do. Much of this has just been created. We don't have any control over it. It is there. As I told one man not long ago, you've got to stay up with things to a degree or you'll get so far behind you'll never get caught up. But listen, these things, we stay so busy. And I know preaching like this seems to impose a burden on so many of God's children. But let me say unto you, is my hand withered? Am I doing just a portion of what I could be doing for Christ? God has given us everything we need to serve Him with. There is no command that God has ever put in this Bible for you and I to observe that he has left off anything that's essential for obeying that command. We can live for Christ. We can honor him. God help me. If part of me is withered and part of me is not doing what I should be doing and could be doing, God help me. I want to start with me. Then I want to ask you this. Is your hand withered? Are there people in our midst this morning that is just operating? Have you ever asked somebody, how you feel today? Well, I'm hitting on about six. We're talking about an eight-cylinder engine, okay? You don't hear much about those today. I'm hitting on about six. Oh, I'm running about half throttle. And we mean that physically. But my question has to do with the work of Christ. What are we doing? Is our hand dried up? You remember when the man of God came out of Judah and went up and prophesied against that altar that Jeroboam had built? And he prophesied it against it. The ashes poured out and Jeroboam said, get him and his hand dried up and he couldn't bring it back to himself. And the man of God prayed for him and he was able to get his, to make proper use of his hand again. Is any of us like that this morning? For example, we know very little about this man. We do not know his name. We do not know where he lived. We do not know what his, who his family was, nor do we know the tribe that he was from, nor do we know if his hand if he was born with a crippled hand. And some people are. They can't help that. Some have injured their hand and they no longer can use their hand. So we don't know anything about this man except his hand was withered. 
some illness could have happened, such as a stroke. A lot of things could have caused this man's hand to be withered. We don't know. And the way that our text reads, it seems like that he wasn't born with it because there was a man there which had a withered hand. And when you read the expositor's works, the way that the construction of this sentence here is, this statement about this man is that it had become withered. And so that we do not know at all. But when you find the word here and what this word means, it means to make dry. It means to dry up. It means to become dry, to be dried, to shrivel. And so evidently, it was whole as the other hand was at a later time. But we, we know how this word is used in at least two places of the scripture. I'm sure it's used more than that because I saw the word and the, way and the times it was used. But these may be more familiar with you, with us in the parable of the sower. If you remember, the Lord Jesus gave four types of soil that that seed fell on. The sower went forth to sow. And he sowed some, and it fell on, uh, on uh, uh, hard ground. He sowed some other, and it, it fell among the thorns. He fell some other, and the soil was rocky. And in that one of the rocky soil, uh, if you remember, the seed there uh, withered away. The sun came out, and the seed had no root, and it withered away. That's the same word that is used here. So it, it seems that as if that his hand had become withered. And I can understand why the expositors take the position they take here. And then there is, is another time uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 21 and 20. If you remember, our Lord had come by a fig tree and he saw the leaves on the fig tree. If I understand it right, have you been to Holy Land, Brother Ward? I hadn't either, but we're going someday. Yeah, okay. All right, now. And, um, but you remember he came by and he saw... The fig tree had leaves. If I understand it right, the fig tree puts forth the fruit first. So when the leaves come, it means there's fruit on the tree. But when the Lord went over to partake of that fig tree, and of course I know the Lord knew all about that, but he was going to teach his disciples an object lesson. So he reached to get that, and there were no fruit there. The Bible said nothing but leaves, no fruit. So the Lord cursed that fig tree, you remember? And when he cursed it, immediately it began to dry up. And when the disciples came back again, they said, Behold, Lord, the tree that thou curseth has withered. The same word that's here. It's dried up. It's of no use. It cannot be used. Oh, 
Now, I'm not going to get into this this morning, and I don't purpose to get in on it tonight. But what could cause some of our properties we use for the Lord to become withered? You singers, you use your voice. You musicians, you use your hands, your eyes. You use your mind. What could happen to cause some of these things to wither up and no longer be used? God has given us faculties that he wants us to use for his glory and for his honor. I want to use all mine, Brother Ward. I want to finish running as hard as I can run. What about you? Can, is there anyone here this morning that can think of how, you know, you hear so many, I used to. You ever hear that, Brother Ward? I used to. I used to teach Sunday school, and now they don't even come to church. I used to witness to sinners and pass out tracts, but I don't do that anymore. Oh, there was a time that I really gave to missions. But something has come in and withered that hand of giving. I don't know where all you could take this text, Brother Ward. I, I really don't. I love you, and I love these people. Many of them I've known for 30 years or longer. It may not matter a whole lot now, but one day it's going to really matter when we stand before him who didn't give just a portion, he, who didn't give just what he felt comfortable giving, but he gave it all. A lady in our church said one time, she said, I told them, Brother Jones, that I asked them if they went to church, and they said no. I told them to find them a church somewhere that, that, they, that fit them and uh, to go. I said, gee, why did you tell them that? She said, what do you mean? I said, that's our problem now. We're too comfortable. We need stirred. Do you know the first, I'm going too long, church, I don't normally preach this long, You know the first message God ever used to stir my heart toward what he had for me to do, preaching? You know what it was? I was working for Mammy Engineering Company. I was a chief line estimator. My boss and I was on a 
first name basis. Of course, I would be anyhow. But we went together. We looked jobs over, and he asked me questions, and we would talk about them. I just, I had a great job. You know what my boss told me when I left? He said, now, Jimmy, my name's James, but I didn't argue with the man who signed my check. <laughs> he said, now, Jimmy, when you get out here, he said, some of these Baptists can be mean. <laughs> Was he right? <laughs> but some of these Baptists can be mean. He said, if you get out here, and you need a job. Your job is always waiting on you. I never forgot that. But anyway, I was sitting in church. I was comfortable. I had a little boy, about two years old, running through the house. I mailed something. Pitter patter patter down those terrazzo floors. Sweet wife, had a good job. Financially, we were set. Well, we still are. But I went to church one morning. I was a song leader, Brother Greg, believe it or not. And the preacher got up and he said, I want you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 32. And he preached only as an eagle stirreth her nest, fluttereth over her young. And here I'm sitting with everything going my way. And that mother eagle began to pull off of that lining. She had plucked her breath soft comfortable out of that nest down to the bare big stick she had used to build it as a foundation. And those little eaglets were not as comfortable as they were. And then she'd flutter her wings. When did I do that? Well, I'll just do it this way. I'll, I'll, I'll play a Greg. Well, what about you? You got it made in a sense. Of course, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow, but in a sense. 
Are you serving him the way he wants you to serve him? Have you let something come in and wither that faculty God has given you to serve him with? And he wants to heal it this morning. So you can use all you've got for him. You're looking at an old man. My brother took my chair when I moved out of Mamba Engineering Company to pastor. Wasn't long till he became the president of a multi-million dollar company. He got at least three $35,000 bonuses every year. Plus, he had a very, very good salary. And more than one time, Satan would jump on my back and show me what I could have had. But I said, I got more. I got more. Well, this song service has done something for me this morning. Thank you so much. Now, has the Lord put something on your heart? I'll try to preach short tonight. But has the Lord put something on your heart? You need to do, but for some reason you feel you're withered and you just can't do it. We've not got to that good part the Lord healing that hand but he can take care of it I don't care what it is he can take care of it he can give you a forgiving spirit if that be a hindrance a withering of your spirit to work for him he can remove the root of bitterness he can do anything you need done for you to become what he wants you to be for him. Let's stand together. Thank you for your patience. God bless you this morning.